Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. You know, today is, if you're in the Jewish camp, today is the Feast of Pentecost. And when you think about the Feast of Pentecost and you think about what happened on that day, and how the Spirit of God fell, not in the temple, but in an undistinguished upper room where individuals that were hungry for God waited in obedience to the Savior's command, go there and tear ye and don't step out and do anything until you're filled or endued with power from on high. Think about that. And if you think about the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, perfect in every way, holy, immaculate Son of God, did not begin his public ministry until he was in due with power from on high. Do you remember that? He was anointed. He came up out of the water. He, the Spirit of God lighted upon him like a dove. Acts 10.38 says he was anointed and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That wasn't until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then you remember his disciples? His disciples, his apostles were highly trained by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They spent three and a half years on the job training with Jesus. And he taught them everything that they needed to know. And they did signs, wonders, and miracles. And many things took place as they walked upon the earth with him. But even though they were so trained... Before he left, he told them, now you go and you wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So even though they were highly trained in the word, they weren't sent out until they were filled with Holy Ghost power. Think about that. If Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, if the disciples or the apostles had to be filled with the Holy Ghost, what about us? What about us? And if you think about when it occurred on that day, now for the Christian community, it's going to be Sunday. This Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the uh, resurrection of Jesus. But in the Jewish camp, it's today. If they were endued with power from on high, and this Spirit of God that fell on that day did not fall in the Orthodox celebration of Pentecost and you have to remember that these feast days outline God's redemptive plan for man Passover Jesus' death unleavened bread Jesus' burial first fruits Jesus' resurrection and now 50 days later Pentecost how important are all these particular feast days that the Jews celebrated which were types and shadows of God's redemptive plan laid out for them and laid out for us to see. But he did not fall in the orthodox temple in celebration of Pentecost. Think about that. But off at a distance, these 120 
were in an undistinguished upper room, their hearts hungry and thirsty, acting in obedience to God. And all of a sudden, there is a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that comes in. There appears to them all cloven tongues like as a fire. And those cloven tongues sat upon each and every one of them. And I believe there is significant meaning to that. It's because it meant every one of the 120, not one person was left out, had a cloven tongue of fire upon their head. And then they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. And so we have a revelation of the evidence that one has been filled with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God manifests himself in this powerful and wonderful way, which resulted in not just, number one, speaking with a language that was given by the Spirit, a supernatural language, but then secondly, a boldness to proclaim the Word of God unashamedly in power before all those people that were there, the leaders, the religious leaders that wanted to kill them before. But yet standing up boldly and proclaiming it from their hearts. As Peter proclaimed the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus, he did so with boldness after denying him beforehand three times. What took place in the life of Peter that transitioned him from a coward to someone that could stand there with boldness and say, he's alive. You killed him, but he's alive. Imagine this descent of the Holy Spirit on that day, which was the beginning of the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we know it today on the earth in the life of the believer. Every single one of us can be filled with Holy Ghost power. That was the, gent that was the Jewish camp. And then in Acts 10, we see the same thing occurring in the Gentile camp. Lest we think that it was just for the Jew. As Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, what happens? He begins to proclaim the gospel once again. He doesn't even think that they could receive the Holy Spirit. But he proclaims the gospel to them. And as he's speaking, the Spirit of God falls. They're instantly born again. And they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and prophesy. And Peter, astonished by what takes place, he says, men and brethren, can we forbid water that these that have received the Holy Spirit as we have so they can be baptized and they get baptized in water? Over the years, you go from Pentecost until today, over the years up to 1900, the very powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit was stifled after 300 years and then by the year 1900, they didn't even practice healing. The gifts of the Spirit, we're told, were no longer for today, for the church. And the church basically became just a, a gathering place where people can meet but not expect supernatural signs and wonders to, to occur among them. Well, beloved, I believe these are the last of the last days that we are, when we are living in. And God is pouring out His Spirit during this time right now. And I do believe there's separation, the chaff from the wheat. And I believe that God is looking for hungry hearts to flood their souls with awesome 
miracle working power so that people could stand strong, praise God Almighty, and work the works of Jesus. He said we would do it before that time would come, and I believe this is that last time and that last day. Hallelujah. And every one of us should expect power from on high. But the question is, is our heart hungry? Are we thirsty? Amen. That was a prelude, I guess, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirits moving. We thank you for ears to hear what you're speaking to us and saying to us the things that you want us to know. And Father, we just believe for utterance in the Holy Ghost and the continuation of your spirits moving here among us as we look to your word and commit ourselves to you this evening in prayer and supplication. Be glorified in our midst in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. We're here tonight to fast and pray and wait upon the living God. We want what God wants. We expect God to move among us in power and might and show himself strong. We're not here just to gather for a religious observation and a ritual that's performed and walk out the door. But we are here because hearts are hungry and thirsty. Is your heart hungry for God? The living God. Amen. The God of power. The God of might. The God of victory. Well, look at Psalms chapter 35 and verse 13. Just a few facts before we pray. When it comes to fasting and prayer and waiting upon the Lord. Notice, fasting and prayer is a way to humble ourselves before God. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. The benefits of the praying or the prayer affected both who he prayed for and himself. In other words, it is a way for us to, to humble ourselves before God and let him know that we mean business with him. Can you say amen? Do we mean business? Now, when we talk about fasting, we're not talking about, you don't have to have a 21-day fast, a 40-day fast and all that. People shy away from that. It could be one meal, praise God, from a heart that's sincere before God. And I guarantee you, God's going to view what you're doing. He's going to see it. He's going to move in a powerful way. Look in, in 1 Kings and uh, chapter 21. Here we have King Ahab, who was the most wicked king that Israel ever had. He was worse than all the kings put together up until his point, this point where he became king over Israel. He, and of course, being incited by his wife Jezebel, did what? Set up altars to false gods, worship false gods, and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. She took his heart so far away from God, it wasn't even funny. Well, as a result of, of course, their leaving God, you remember in chapter 18 of 1 Kings when Elijah called down fire from heaven upon the prophets of Baal. They were Baal worshipers, Astra worshipers, etc. That even then that the king saw the power of God in, in display and manifestation, but he still was hardened in his heart. So finally we get to a place in this chapter here where Elijah the prophet goes to him and, and pronounces judgment upon him. And when he hears the word of judgment, it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted. Notice the place that fasting holds. And lay in sackcloth and went, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself? Notice those two words. He humbled himself before me. He got God's attention just by missing a meal. 
Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. But in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. As wicked and as evil as he was, because he rent his clothes and fasted and waited upon the Lord, the Lord stayed his hand of judgment. Now, we live in a, in a nation right now that we know is in rebellion against God in many ways. But you know what? God's greater. God's merciful. His power, his might. And when God's people gather together, like we are here tonight, and lift up the nation, our government, etc., we believe for God to pour out his spirit and manifest his glory and show himself strong. Look at the book of James, and you'll see it here in chapter 4, verse, beginning at verse 6. And this is for all of us. But he gives more grace. Wherefore, when he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves. And how did he humble himself? Through fasting and prayer. In the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Notice he gives more grace. If we want to have an unleashing of more grace in our lives individually, collectively as a church body, then we will heed the call to, at times, just humble ourselves before the Lord. Wait upon him in a time of fasting and prayer and just believing God to honor exactly what he said that he would do there. He will pour out and manifest his grace in a powerful way among those whose hearts are sincere and upright before him. So one thing about fasting and prayer, which is what we do at the end of every month on a Wednesday night throughout the day and you can add to that whatever you want. But we're just believing for God to move. And he'll see the sincerity of the heart. And so if you find yourself in a situation where maybe you're challenged, a family member's challenged, or a situation needs to be dealt with, I do believe if you just take one meal and miss it and look to God and believe God, he will show up. He will provide the grace that is necessary to bring deliverance wholeness, restoration, or whatever victory that you need or that we need. Number two, fasting can help align our heart with the heart of God. Look at Daniel chapter um, 10 and verse 12. It'll help us align our hearts with God's. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come as a consequence of and in response to your words. How powerful is that statement? Because he made a decision to set himself and his heart to align himself and his heart with God's. And what did he do? You know Daniel's partial fast, his 21-day fast. But notice this. I love this about it. He didn't say on the seventh day of your fast. He didn't say on the 14th day of your fast. He didn't say the 20th day of your fast. He said on the first day of your fast. I dispatched from heaven what was necessary to bring to you the revelation that you needed. But, of course, there was interference from the prince of Persia. We know all that story that was going on. There was that interference which delayed the response or delayed the answer. And that's why he held fast and stayed with it. 
But from the moment that he spoke out and cried out to God in sincerity of heart, willing to fast and pray to wait upon God, he said, I had dispatched from heaven the angel Gabriel to come and speak to you and show you what you need to know and what you need to do. Amen. And I believe he did it for him. He'll do it for us. Number three, fasting disciplines the body. It disciplines the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul the Apostle, who we think highly of, said these words. Now notice what he said. This is the amplified version. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. Now I looked at that word buffet and I thought that could be buffet too. He could have said I took my body to the buffet table and I enjoyed as much as I could possibly eat. But he didn't. I buffet my body and I handle it how? Roughly. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it. What did he do to his body? For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Paul recognized that although, of course, this body's been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, it hasn't been changed yet. It's not glorified. And so he knew, I've got to deal with my body every day. Anybody here ever any problem with your body? Anyone? We all do, don't we? Paul did. And if Paul did, then so do we. But notice what he said. I treat it harshly. Now, I don't know about you. I like to eat. Anybody here like to eat? I believe we all like to eat. Treating it harshly could be not allowing it to eat. Not giving it food. It cries out, doesn't it? It wants it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, Paul said, I've got to keep discipline it. I've got to line it up with the things of God. I can't let it dominate my spirit. And so I recognize the need to, to, to see to it that I do the right thing with the body. And then finally, uh, fasting also and repentance both activate the mercy and the grace of God. Look at Joel chapter 2 and verse 12 and 13. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart, notice this, and not your garments. Anybody can rip off their garments, but that could be external and that could be done in hypocrisy, hypocritically. Rend your heart, not your garments, and turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. You could have grace and mercy unleashed if we turn to him with the whole heart, rending, just ripping apart, not our outward garments, but truly with the contrite spirit and an upright heart. He is slow to anger of great kindness and repent, repenteth him of the evil. So in other words, you could turn away the hand of judgment and extend the hand of mercy by doing exactly what he said. And we see this in Jonah. Look at Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5. This is 5 to the end of the chapter, verse 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Now you realize how bad they were. And proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word, for word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He went from sitting on a throne to sitting on ashes, robed with his robe, his cloak, his royal cloak, 
stripping it from himself and sitting in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? And turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw. I like that. He sees. He saw their works. That they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. How powerful is that? Here we have a group of people that were so unbelievably wicked. And yet because they from their heart turned to God. What should that speak to all of us as, as believers? If we'll just follow the same example and humble ourselves before God. And truly from the heart desire the move of God's spirit. The power from on high. The miracles, the signs, the wonders to manifest. Whether collectively or individually in our lives. He'll hear, he'll see, he'll move, and he will make his ways known. I believe that we in this group right here can reach heaven for this nation. I believe we can reach heaven for this locality. I believe we can reach heaven, praise God, to touch people in the highways and byways of life to bring them to a place of repentance before God. But you see, it doesn't happen because we want it to. It happens because we get together with God and co-labor together with him and believe together. So right now on that next page or whatever where it is on there, I just wrote some things down for us. And you may want to add to it. But you know what? These are things that we and I should keep before the throne of God. As we humble ourselves, as we pray, as we seek his face and turn from wicked ways, as we call upon his name, as we fast and pray before him and let him know that our hearts are upright before you and we have a longing desire not to get you would get involved in our plans but for us to get involved in your plan because your plan for this nation goes beyond anything we can possibly imagine it's time to set aside all biases and just say you know what god we want you we want what you want in our lives and our family and our marriages and with our children in our health, and everything else. So are you ready tonight, saint of God? Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you.
So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.